Hey, this is Dr. Marvin. Welcome to uh, Recovery and Reinvention. And today I'm going to talk about, of course, uh, recovery and reinvention. Uh, I'm first of all, I'm just now I'm an alcoholic, you know, um, among other things. I call them the isms, you know, alcoholism, drug addiction, overeating ism, over sexing ism, over gamble ism, over shopping ism. Over drama, wanting to hear drama all the time is um, addicted to people, places, and things, and anything to get me out of myself. Those are all the isms. But um, for me, it all starts with the first thing, and that's a drink. I have one or two ice cold beers or uh, one drink, and all of a sudden, I get these great ideas. You know, <laughs> oh my goodness, you know, there I go, participating in the isms all night long, and usually, I'm running out of money sometime during the night and I'm panhandling at the liquor store early in the morning to get a drink, just to get the edge off of all the other stuff I was doing that night. And so with that being said, I know for a fact I'm an alcoholic, not because I um, drink and I push a basket or not because uh, I hang out behind liquor stores with seedy people. I'm an alcoholic because I don't know where the first drink is going to take me. I mean, I knew a guy who was an alcoholic. Well, I've heard of a guy who was an alcoholic, and he had a drink once a year, and that was on New Year's. And he would black out for two weeks and wake up in other cities and go on a two-week uh, binge, and and that was the end of it. But you know what? He didn't know where the first drink was going to take him. Whether the first drink gives me a great idea, I want to smoke some pot or smoke something else, or whether I want to participate in some type of CD. Uh, uh, sexual behavior uh, with strange women and stuff like that. I mean, who knows what uh, these great ideas bring to me once I have that first fixed pill of drink. And so with that being said, I know for a fact that I'm an alcoholic. And that's it. That's all. And so I have a dis-ease. And a dis-ease means I'm dist I'm not at ease. I don't have the level of ease and comfort it takes for me to be comfortable. I lost my ease and comfort, so I'm diseased. I have a disease. And so when I take that first drink, what am I looking for? I'm looking for ease and comfort. I'm looking for not to feel the way I was feeling. You see, I was feeling some type of way. And I didn't want to feel like that anymore. So... Uh, I would take a nice drink or what I call a nice drink and get these great ideas. And now I'm what they call turned up and uh, having a good time and wake up broke and pissed off at myself and asking myself, kicking myself in the behind, asking myself, why did I do this again? Uh, right back on the hamster wheel, you know. See, this disease, um, is, is part of it is just kind of a threefold nature. And the first part is my mind talks to me without my permission. My mind tells me it's hot outside. Uh, a cold one would be nice right about now. My mind tells me I work hard. I deserve one. My mind tells me I can spend $20 and it's not going to make a difference. But it always winds up the same the next time. You see, I have an obsessive mind that talks to me without my permission. But also I have a allergy to mind-altering mood, altering substances. You see, once I take the first fixed pill of drink, uh, this allergy, well, the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous says that the allergy 
uh, creates this thing called the phenomenon of craving. The phenomenon of craving says that once I take the first one, I get this overwhelming urge to take another one. And that works on that obsessive mind I was just telling you about. It says, oh, that won't feel pretty good. I could take, you know, just one more. And I take the one more, and next thing I know, the phenomenon of craving is even stronger, works even three times as hard on that mental obsession, and now I'm on the hamster wheel. One more time, all over again, doing participating in my isms all night long until the next morning, there I go, kicking myself in the behind, asking myself, why did I do that again? And, all, and the third part of that disease is a sick spirit, a spiritual malady. And the best way I can really describe that, uh, the, actually the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous describes that as restless, irritable, and discontent. See, those are the three flags. Those are the three flags of relapse mode. Restless, irritable, and discontent. See, that's when my car can go on autopilot in front of the dope house. That's when my car can go on autopilot in front of the liquor store. That's when my car can go on autopilot in front of the mall, you know, uh, trying to get uh, uh, buy something so I can feel better. That's when my autopilot goes off and tells me instead of getting a booty call in the middle of the night, I can get a foodie call. So I go to the donut shop in the middle of the night thinking I'm going to get a donut, but when I go into the donut shop, I see the, a girl walking down the street, and now I transfer addictions from the donuts to the to the to the to the big butts. I mean, my goodness! I mean, it's just the isms, and one thing leads to another, but it always gets me off balance and overcompensating to get out of the way I was feeling, so I don't have to feel that way anymore. Because I was in my feelings and feeling some type of way, thinking I got some control over what I think and what I feel. So those three things that I have that make it a disease is the obsessive mind and the allergy of the body and the sick spirit. And with that being said, I found for myself the only way that uh that I can help myself is to go to a 12-step program. That's what I found. You know, I went to the rehabs and I went to uh, the courts and they made me sign the court card and make me go to meetings and this and that. Or I go to the rehabs or uh, I try self-will, you know, and that didn't quite work out. And what I found out was that when the police officer that may arrest me or take me off the streets for doing alcohol or drugs. When he gets loaded and he wants to stop, the police officer goes to the 12-step program or Alcoholics Anonymous. When the judge wants to stop drinking or doing drugs or stop shopping or whatever they do, they go to 12-step programs. And let me tell you this, the pastor of the church, people think church can do it for them? Possibly. But I'm gonna tell you where the pastor of the church and the priest go. They go to 12-step programs and Alcoholics Anonymous. I'm not uh, conveying to you that Alcoholics Anonymous is the only way to do it. I'm just letting you know they have the best results 
Uh, more people, thousands of people have gotten clean and sober from 12-step meetings. Uh, and the judges, the doctors, the doctors go, the, the, the priest, the, every, the, the drug counselor goes to Alcoholics Anonymous or Cocaine Anonymous or Narcotics Anonymous or uh, Gamblers Anonymous or Sex Anonymous or whatever. There's like oh, two or three hundred different anonymous or 12-step programs. Uh, they even have Al-Anon and CODA for people who try to control the addict or try to control the alcoholic or the adult children of alcoholics 12-step meeting where you're, you you don't even take alcohol and drugs, but your parents might have been that. And that dysfunction caused dysfunction and off balance and you feel in some type of way in your life. But I'm letting you know that, you know, this thing called 12-step program has really worked for me and really been good. And anybody that's had any type of results on any consistent level will probably mention a 12-step program. A lot of people say, I want to pay money to go to therapists. Well, I mean, that may be that may be the way to go for you. That you know, that may go to court and jail and the court court. That may be the way to go for you. You know, uh, the rehab, that may be the way to go for you. You know, church, the synagogue, the temple, kingdom hall, all those religious buildings, that may be the the way to go for you. I mean, some people get sober and get balanced and live the rest of their life pretty good that way. But the bulk of the people, they get off of alcohol, drugs, over shopping, overeating, over gambling, uh, codependent, um, addicted to people, addicted to relationships. Uh, when they get, you know, the bulk of the people go to anonymous programs, which are 12-step programs. And so it's really worked for me. I advocate it. I believe that, you know, uh, get, go ahead and try it. Uh, when I first got there, you know, they told me to sit down, shut up and listen. I didn't like that, but I didn't know that the old ego has to be smashed. And what I suggest is not in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous or in the basic text of uh, Narcotics Anonymous or in any book, but it was handed down from generation to generation through sponsorship. And sponsorship is when you first get to the 12-step program. Somebody that has a firm grasp on it, a couple of years up under their belt, have worked the steps and the traditions. They usually take you by the hand and walk you through the steps and help you out. Somebody that you kind of identify with. And you know, through the lineage of sponsorship that I've, I've had throughout the years, I mean, my sponsor, my sponsor, sponsor, and so on, they told me, go to 90 meetings in 90 days, get a sponsor, work the steps. Go to 90 meetings in 90 days, get a sponsor, work the steps. Go to 90 meetings in 90 days, get a sponsor, work the steps. And so many people's life had gotten turned around like that. And so uh, we get to go to those meetings and the newcomer, because we see you so much in those 90 days, we get to know your name and we get to know your face. And you get to know our name and our face. And that feeling of being familiar and being wanted uh, uh, and being a part of something. That's big in the area of recovery and, and reinvention. Because I remember when I was in high school, I felt, you know, self-conscious and not a part of. And they had to dance in the gym and everything. And I was kind of apprehensive about going in there and walking across that big gym floor asking a girl to dance. I drink my little, little half a pint of vodka. 
And now I'm turning into Mac Daddy. Man, I'm talking to the girls, I'm partying, and I'm all that because I don't I didn't have to feel that anxiety about talking to girls or anything like that. I felt good then. And I walked across the gym floor and I could dance and I could talk and get my Mac on with the young women, young ladies, you know, in high school. And I felt a part of. And that's what that liquor did for me right there. It gave me the ease and comfort to go in there, not feel the way I was feeling, to get out of my feelings. And, and get some ease and comfort that I didn't have previously. And so that's what uh, showing up to the meetings over and over again. And people that have been in the program for years, they'll tell you, you know, that, you know, uh, they'll get off to the, you know, fall to the lean to the left or lean a little bit to the right, get off centered. And they go to 90 meetings in 90 days. They get they get back with their sponsor and they work the steps. Uh, not too long ago, I guess nine months ago, my mother died. Five months before that, my father died. Six cars broke down. I would buy them. They and then, then they break down. I get them fixed. They break down again. I get rid of them. I did it six times in a row. After all of that, I got sick. I was in the hospital for nine days. I mean, it just seems like things just kept going over and over and over. Just, just not in my favor. But and with all that happening, I didn't feel the need to take the first fixed pill or drink. And that's because I stayed close to the program. I went to the 90 meetings in 90 days. I got I talked to my sponsor on the phone and I worked the steps and I did, you know, basic inventory on, on what was going on in my life. So things can get better. And so uh, right now I only have 10 years, no drugs, no alcohol, no smoking, no nothing. Previous to that, a year before, a year and a half before that, I had three years. And a year and a half before that, I had 10 years. I have close to uh, 30 years in the in the 12-step program. I relapsed twice. And uh, with that being said, relapse doesn't have to be a part of your program of recovery, but it happens. And when it does, it's not about it happening because that's a natural part of being in recovery, that's, well, not actually recovery. It's a natural part of addiction. It's a natural part of alcoholism, uh, relapse. Um, I'm not surprised when we relapse. I'm surprised when we stay sober, when we stay clean, when we stay off, you know, on the wagon. So with that being said, 90 meetings in 90 days, get a sponsor, work the steps, uh, keep coming back, uh, stick around, um, live and let live, one day at a time. And this is Dr. Marvin, Recovery and Reinvention. See you next time.